welcome to 15K Plus Random Movie Reviews, where we take random movies from Metacritic's 15K Plus Movies to randomly watch whether we like it or not. Hello and welcome to episode 4 of 15K Plus Random Movie Reviews. This is Colin. And this is Niall. And this is random movie number 14537, Stick, from 1985. Just to give you a little bit of an introduction to it, it's got a 31 out of 100 meta score. User score is to be determined because not enough people have actually reviewed it. It runs for 109 minutes and it costs 22 million to make. And it grossed 8.5 million. So there were not a lot of happy people surrounding this movie. And two major players in that are obviously the director and star of the movie, Burt Reynolds, and Elmore Leonard, who wrote the actual novel it's based on. But he was happily paid 350000 for this screenplay. Really? But we'll get into that. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. We'll get into that a bit later, the little the ins and outs and the drama surrounding the uh, production of this movie so it's your turn to do the plot so over to you yeah this is a tricky one because the plot make doesn't make a whole heap of sense it it starts off Bert on a train like a hobo you know in 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 a uh, cargo carriage jumps off danders down the road bumps into one of his mates hey let's have a pint starts off by setting fire to his backside beating the crap out of him it's a good start um anyway the, the, the straight from the start the whole thing's just awful um but anyway it continues he goes out driving around with his buddy and his buddy goes hey we've got a job for you and he's and he's like well as long as it's not drugs so he goes and does a drug deal that goes horrifically wrong his buddy gets shot a bunch of times Bert legs it, sets fire to a field and several people. Um, then he goes off and now he's none of his buddies and the bad guys come looking. They do. Uh, they do. They do. Uh, then there's a montage, which is really interesting, uh, where <laughs> it's basically a montage of Bert just dandering around the place, doing a bit of weights, driving around the boat. Um, I picked up on that too. Yeah, and the other part of the montage is the bad guy is looking for him. And it's just, why montage? It was a very interesting choice, but I, I suppose it doesn't add to the plot. Anyway. I liked, I liked, the, I liked, the, I liked the montage. I called it, it, I called it the stupid Rocky sequence. And I, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I love the way it just, it just, it just finished with him jumping into the sea with a spear. <laughs> why not? Makes and also, dur- I think during that, during that, uh, I think maybe before that montage or after that montage is the best quote of the movie. I don't know if you picked up on it. Was that the chickens one? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Was it? I've got it written down because uh, I didn't want to forget it. It looks like they ran out of chickens. What What exactly. an amazing line. <laughs> I, 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 when, I, when I heard that, I was like, yes, that that's quote of the day. <laughs> yeah, best part of the movie sure. right there. <laughs> And it wasn't really that funny either. He wasn't doing it for fun, for a laugh. He was actually serious. It was unintentionally hilarious. Um, 
but yeah. Anyway, the, yeah. We, we, I digress on the whole plot thing, if there is any. Um, bad guys come looking. Something about his daughter, who he doesn't want to see, but he sees her anyway. Then the bad guys, he sees the bad guys, and he talks to his mate and says, oh, these bad guys are coming. And he says, why don't you hang out with... Um, his buddy says, why don't you hang out with bad guy number two's buddy who's rich then you can get at him barry 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 ably not well ably played by george seagal who hated the way he played it hated it i actually kind of like george seagal but in this he just hams it up to 110 percent, and it just awful (laughs) pure and utter terrible anyway he's a terrible rubbish caricature of a rich dude there's little more definition to his character given than that other than he likes hanging out with crooks so he's completely two-dimensional like every other character in it uh anyway he hires bert because you know um he's being a dick to him and he says hey i like you (laughs) makes perfect sense in an 80s movie i guess uh Bad guys figure out he's working for his friend, leaves him alone for a bit. Bad guy number one gets a bit miffed. Uh, and then people fall out of building. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry, I, I skipped over Cecil. <laughs> Cecil, big guy who Bert took the job off, uh, comes around saying, Oi, I want my job back yet. Jerks. So Bert covers him in petrol and tells him to leave. Which everybody applauds, which I, I found kind of unusual. Uh, anyway, anyway, people fall out of a building in, uh, half an hour later. Oh, actually, just to circle back to something you said at the start. I don't know which version I watched, but my version was an, an hour and 45 minutes. I must have got the director's cut. Oh. So I got an extra nearly 40 minutes of fun on this one. Uh, I, I really regret all of that. Um, I, I may have seen stuff that you didn't want to see. Uh, I didn't want to the see credits. Maybe, maybe it was shocking. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, bad guy number one is also into voodoo. Mm. I'm not sure what it added to this movie, but there was that weird element. Um, yeah, I can't really give much to the plot other than that. He, uh, the t- the two, well. the two tertiary like um, bad guys. Uh, in a confrontation, they just jump out of a building. <laughs> and I, I, what I loved there was how it was shot. It was basically, obviously, two dummies just flung out of a large hotel. Which yes, looks but it was amazing. Good, it was a good shot though from this from the from the top. That that was a very good uh, Hans Gruber death for for Moke for Mook. For Moke, yes. That that was okay until it then cut to the shot from the bottom and it was somebody from Dunn Stores got a dummy and chucked it out a window with the same clothes as Mook on him. <laughs> so why did they why did they fall out the See, that's the thing, it's a very muddy plot. It gets muddy near near the end. And Bert Reynolds said this. He said he he gave he gave the movie as Elmer Leonard wrote the screenplay. The producer saw it and said, Nope, we're gonna reshoot the second half of the movie so it gets to that point where you actually don't know like he's looking for five thousand dollars burt reynolds from (laughs) 
from yeah, Chucky. But, yeah. but, yeah. but that There's makes no sense either. Well, it keeps on going on and on. And then you think he's making, he's, uh, he's made friends with Nestor, but then Nestor sends Mocha after him and Chuck. Chucky yeah. says, get rid of him. And then that's pretty much, they fall over the building because Chucky wants his drugs back. And then Stick goes, all right, I'm going to Nestor's gaff and I'm going to get rid of them all in the old fashioned way. Then suddenly his daughter turns up at Nestor's place, but yeah. he tells her to get down and she does shoot, shoot, and shoot. shoots everybody. Yeah. And then it's the end. And then <laughs> it's, it's nearly the end. And then the, two cars the, meet, the, meet in the middle of the motorway. The, the car phone scene was terrible. <laughs> beautiful. Romantic. That's what I got out of that. It's just the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. So you can uh, tell near the end, you can tell near the end it was a rushed job and reshot. Like it, just, it really just gets gets to a very quick ending where he goes and starts shooting things up. Now, let me say this and let nobody ever tell me that I don't put the work in for this podcast. I read the novel this week. Get away. That's right. Uh, so, is, it, is it as brilliant and interesting as the movie? <clears throat> well... It's, it's a whole lot of nothing happens in the novel as well, but it makes more sense as a as a sort of a A to Z, A to Z plot. You know the way um, Stick randomly asked um, people, his boss Bruce and uh, Kyle, about stocks and stuff. Yeah. Well, that carries on. Instead of doing shooty shooty up up, he basically scams chuck out of seventy thousand dollars pretends he's a, he's a doing a movie or he's some that producer that came in and made a laugh of himself he kind of then goes um, he doesn't get um, money so then hmm. stick goes to chucky and says he's brought back a better script and it's not a for tax fraud seventy thousand blah 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 it's very complicated it gets a bit complicated then he gives he puts 70k into a bank account that stick has then he goes somehow he gets to chuck's place and yeah mocha goes over the building but chuck doesn't but then um stick is like going all right i'm out of here you need to call the police and chuck goes i'm not going to prison and stick goes all right well i'll see you later and then a shot a gun goes off in the room behind him so chuck actually kills himself and you know the so he gets the money right but then at the end he's back at barry's and he's saying right i'm out of here i'm um i'm not working for you anymore and then um, he says, oh, before you go, this uh, lawyer's letter came for you today from your ex-wife. She wants $10,000 for every seven years that you weren't around for your daughter. That's $70,000. Uh. Uh. <laughs> and then I, I get the last sentence of the story book just confused me. And I couldn't find anybody on the internet to actually explain this last sentence. He hears this and he walks around. And basically the last sentence of the novel goes, um, Stick walks around to the other side of the car garage there you are stick thought i don't know what it was there i'm assuming it was the car uh, i'm only guessing from the movie that he he had a bit of a grow for the english car he was driving hmm i don't know because he anyway he we've just out of his way everything. to say bonish for some reason in the movie to, because to it was miss. a rolls rice yeah but um that's yeah so yeah, we've confused everybody with the two, with the novel story, and but that, that gives a good background because uh, the whole entire plot changed, and nobody was happy with it. Elmer Leonard 
uh, hated the way it was done. Burt Reynolds said uh, the first half is his, the second half is a studio. And Reynolds was devastated after and he wouldn't direct for another five years or something after it. So, well, if the first half was his, I actually thought the first half was almost worse than the second half. <laughs> Nothing really happened. Yeah, a lot of th- at least some things started happening in the in the second half. Some um, things I just want to point out that stuck out in my mind as well that just were a bit. You kind of just look. You just kind of look at it and go, "What just happened?" Toilet Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why? Why was? Why was he? And why didn't he jump on him? Why didn't he drop on him when the guy walked in the door? Why did he wait till the guy turned around? And started to leave, giving them an I ample chance to see Burt Reynolds, who's wearing dark clothes against a bright ceiling. <laughs> like, and, God. Another thing, another one that stood out to me near the end was just just hyper violence and the way Moak just punched the maid in the face. Yeah, that wasn't really. Oh, what I liked about that scene was when he when he shot the the um, the other guy. Uh, what was his name now? Ah, uh, damn. Um, yeah. That lad, the guy who shared a room with Bert. Anyway, he shot yeah, him. Cornell, and he went, I think. Cornell, that's it. And he, and he went back yeah, about Cornell. thirty foot, which was quite impressive. Yes. <laughs> from a from a handgun. I think it, I think it was a fifty magnum. So maybe maybe it's accurate. Ah, it, it just puts a hole in you. It doesn't make you fly into orbit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right. We've we spent thirteen minutes on the plot, and we we shouldn't have given this much time to the plot. I gave it one out of one out of um, five. That that is an exact match what I gave it, and I was feeling generous with that one. Yeah. All right. So I think hand in hand with the plot was acting. I think nobody really oh. gave a good turn here. It's very weird. It felt very ad libby at times. It felt like the uh, Bert Reynolds, the director, just kind of said, "All right, let's just have a conversation," because it was very casual, very, very strange um, way well, they, they they. It was really annoying dialogue. because, while these aren't top of the range actors, there were some good players in here. Oh yeah, like 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 Charles Durning. Yeah, that was one of the bad guys. Was shockingly bad, and he's been quite good in a lot. Of, like I, I remember him in what was it, June, the the the, the Lynch version of it, back in the late seventies. Uh, he played a excellent Duke Harkonnen, um, really really scary, intimidating guy, like a fantastic bad guy. This shocking, as as we Terrible. mentioned. Oh, just rubbish. George Segal, he's done loads of stuff, but in this, oh, again, terrible. Candice Bergen, um, two-dimensional, pointless character, didn't add anything to the story. Nothing, nothing, and like, yeah, because because the whole scam stock thing didn't go anywhere. Her role was pointless, basically. Oh, absolutely. The, um, just to just to before we move on, just because Charles Durning, he has had two Oscar nominations for. Um, best little whorehouse in the West, I think it's called, and to be or not to be, and he was in Lethal Weapon too, not he two, was. Lethal Weapon, the first one. Um, and George Segal was not. Oh, he got an Oscar for Ship of Fools in '65, and he got a Golden Globe in '73 for A Touch of Class. So, like, they're coming into this, into this uh, movie with a lot of 
a lot of um, caliber. A lot of clash, absolutely, yeah. Um, a couple of other people I want to point out. I want to point out uh, Moke because Dar Robinson. Because he's because he's not an actor for a start. No, he's a stunt man, and in the novel, Moke is actually a southern um, cowboy drawl person. So when I saw the albino pop up, I was, I was going, "Oh, wow, that's different. different." Yeah, but I kind of well, I really liked what, the um, what Dar Robinson, the stuntman chap. He, he's not albino; he's ginger in real life. That's so right. I, I don't know why they went with that. And he's very well known in the stunt the stunt world. He was um well, up on he did a lot the, of the next year where he, he where he croaked it. Yes, he died. He is if, did you read the story about it? He basically was doing a yep. simple thing. The medical team had gone away because his last motorbike stunt he was, he was, was going the around the corner thing. in a particularly slow chase and they were expecting no problems and he he, he just fell off his bike and hit a tree and got impaled. Like, what a crap right. so way I, for a man like who's got a massive stunt career, and that's how he goes out. Well, we've got two different sources then, because I read that he drove off a cliff. Really? No, he drew. He, yes. Well, if I, I might be wrong, this, but prior on that same day, he drove off a cliff four times as part of a um, retake on a on a movie uh, intentionally, and no injuries. But then later that day, he was in a routine. Uh, bike chase and came off the bike. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I will. Um, I'll just look this up now while we're talking, just to make sure we don't have um, two different data points here. Depend, um, depends on what which site we googled to get it. <laughs> yeah, we need to get multiple sources. Actually, you know what? I was wrong about Charles Durning. He wasn't in Lethal Weapon. This uh, Dar Robinson, one of his last movies was a stunt in Lethal Weapon. Oh really? And uh, that was it. Was dedicated to him actually. And there was a document documentary made in '88 for Dar Robinson as well that shows his um, very long illustrious career. Uh, with yeah, so it, read, it reads while filming a routine high speed run by the camera, Robinson rode his stunt motorcycle past the breaking point of a turn and straight off a cliff to his death. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so that's not very good. Um, a couple of other interesting people that were in this movie that may not stick out to you you know bb the bobby sorry bobby the bartender yeah yeah the young girl at start yeah who was very smiley and very kind of it felt like the bird reynolds just said i'm just going to come up the bar and let's just ad lib stuff she was very casual with her uh lines whatever her name is sachi parker she's the daughter of shirley mclean and she's all that's which means she's also um, Warren Beatty's niece. And I know you like this. She was also in uh, season four episode of The Next Generation called First Contact. She played a nurse called Tava. You remember when um, Riker goes down and disguises himself as an alien and they, they get into an accident and they scan him and all his organs are human. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Is, oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. And also Katie, who is um, who's His daughter Stick's is daughter, yeah. Trisha Lee Fisher, Carrie Fisher's half-sister. Wow. Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of, um, and uh, which is very apt because a lot of, a um, couple of Carrie Fisher's relatives to, to um, this week were, were um, up in arms about 
her star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. They weren't invited. So very apt that that popped up. What else? I thought that, <laughs> yeah, I thought the father daughter when they first met was weird. It was, it was creepy. It was, it was verging on inappropriate. <laughs> it really was horrible. Uh, it, it wasn't the father and daughter meeting up. It was just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Acting one out of five. Yeah. I gave it 0. 0.5. It, oh. I just thought for the people that was in it, you know, for, for the actors that they had available, there's no excuse for it to be that bad. So True. I go with 0. 0.5. Good for you. All right. Sound brackets track. Um, I just wanted to mention the two, uh, the music was terrible, but the, the two guys that composed the music for this actually, you know, they've had a couple of hits back in the day. Joseph Conlon, he won a few Emmys. He also, he didn't do the main theme tune of the equalizer, but he did, he did um, something in it. I thought he was the dude behind that cool, the equalizer um, theme tune, but not his buddy in this is follow composer, Barry de Vorzan. He did create some cool songs in the Warriors movie, 79. Amazing music in that movie. And also V, the final battle. But uh, yeah, if you Google, or if you go to YouTube and look up the Warriors main theme, it's amazing. And you can tell there's little bits of stings here during this, during this movie where you can see, get a little bit of funk, but it's just jingly jangly, reggae, terribleness. Yeah, there was a bit of reggae at the start in the in in the tune as yeah. they're driving the van, and I I just didn't get the why it was just crammed in there for for the crack. It was a know. weird one. And then it ends. The whole entire movie ends with a soppy song called "I Don't Think I'm Re- um, Ready for You," which is what um, Kyle Candace Bergen's character says in the movie. And this this is um, by a Canadian called Anne Murray. She has sold fifty five million albums worldwide. Wow! And get and get this for a fun fact: she covered in nineteen sixty nine Bob Dylan's "I'll Be Your Baby Tonight." <laughs> really? Oh. Um, I, I missed yeah. that one. Yeah. No, I had to do my research for that one. Fair play. Music or sound brackets track one out of five. Yeah, same as like that. There was no redeeming qualities. So we finish off with production then, and I think we've 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 mentioned quite a lot of it. Like the background to this movie is terrible. Like Burt Reynolds, Burt Reynolds was was sort of declining at this stage. You know, we all know him from Smoking the Bandit, Cannonball Run. Uh, what else? don't really remember because when I was growing up that's what I sort of remembered about it he, he did uh, have a re- bit of a resurgence a few years later with Boogie Nights and he was oh, very yeah. good in that I thought um yeah but absolutely yeah, yeah. It's, it's a completely different ball game yeah he, I don't he, know he wasn't I don't... directing <laughs> no but I just don't think he knew how to play stick like if you read the novel sticks a very sort of I don't know he's the man of the street but and he says a couple of cool things in it but um in this he just wasn't he didn't know how to play it like there's a few moments do you, do you remember the part 
where he puts on his previous the previous chauffeur's hat and it's just a stupid comical moment that doesn't make any sense whatsoever and he keeps the cat on for a long time and just looks around in an oversized yeah. hat it was bad but the problem is uh, as a director it would have been his job to slap himself down and say no that's that's just rubbish stop doing that um but clearly he thought it was funny and kept it in uh, so yeah i think, I, was... I think that's where the problem is uh, his direction murdered every acting piece in the movie i think he um i think he wanted it to try to be a bit smoky in the band at in times and try to get the humor in but it wrong just wasn't movie. that role wrong yeah. movie wrong role let me just tell you something about so when the, the production crew saw the, the studio saw it and said hey you're redoing the last half they brought in a dude called joseph stinson to do the rewrite and his claim to fame is that he wrote sudden impact with clint eastwood and the famous line in that movie go ahead make my day day. (laughs) so he couldn't he couldn't make his day with this movie or anybody else's day with the rewrite of this movie but we can remember him for that one a couple of people in the background i just wanted to mention nick mclean who did the cinematography he did the Goonies, and he also that, that that's really interesting because the cinematography in the Goonies is quite good, but the cinematography in this movie is like everything else appalling. Yeah, like I wonder if he's just handcuffed. The, 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 the editing, like there's continuity problems from scene to scene. Um, there's there's jumps in, in in camera shots where it just doesn't it does not flow. Um, yeah, it's he didn't do a good job today on this one. No, he also um, was a cinematographer for a couple of Friends episodes or even seasons, which was interesting. Oh wow! Just another name that popped out because it kind of brought me back to the to watching these movies in the in the eighties as reruns. Jennings Lang, which is a perfect producer's name, uh, he uh, produced all those airport movies. You know, Airport 75, 77, 79, all those ones. Oh yeah, yeah. Not not airplane. The, uh, because he, no, he, he would have got a lot of kudos for airplane but not i've seen airport there yeah they were movies i loved them back yeah. in the day I, I wouldn't lie but yeah yeah and then there's another person who was a producer was robert daly and he had a, he had a massive uh, relationship with East, clint eastwood from 71 to 80 with all his through his sort of golden patch you know yeah. so um yeah, I thought the, the just to go right back to the start to finish this one off, I just even just the aerial shot coming like going into him in the train at the start of the movie was just shaky and dodgy and badly lit. And yeah, it, it just felt, set the scene. It felt cheap. That's what it felt like. Yeah. It, it felt like a really it felt like they were using poor equipment and it felt like the um cameramen didn't know their trade. Which is really weird. <laughs> yeah well yeah i gave production one out of five i was a bit more stingy and i gave it 0.5 no you did not like this movie there wasn't a lot to like (laughs) (laughs) well uh two reviews that were on uh, metacritic the top one was only 63 but it was a satisfactory if fairly standard action entertainment from ap's bob thomas which that was very generous of him 
exceedingly generous. Yeah, there was a bunch of low ones. I could have picked any of them, but the alphabetical one was timeout. Gave it 20 out of 100. It's deeply flawed by Reynolds. Less than lustrous, but screen-hogging performance. By a torturous but dull plot and by leaden direction. One for completists or random movie reviewer podcasts only. <laughs> Did this one I agree with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so I think we haven't left any stone unturned with that one for for this for this movie. Any last words of summarization? I think I've got through all my points. I, I, to be honest, I'm happy I don't have to watch this movie ever again. <laughs> it, yeah, damning! What I, a damning statement. It it, it was interesting. Um, <laughs> But I, I was I was trying to watch it with my wife, and she just walked out of the room after half an hour. She said, "Just no." <laughs> That's well. There you go. Let's put an underline under this one. All right. So it's that time of the episode where we choose the next episode's movie. So I have it all uh, laid out here on my phone. There's fifteen thousand four hundred and eighty-seven right now, which is going up going up every week. So here we go. It is rolling, and the number is. Oh dear. <laughs> One five three two six. Whoa. Fifteen thousand three hundred and twenty six. That's gotta be an amazing f- movie. Yeah, hopefully. Let's see. Alright, fifteen thousand three hundred and twenty six. That's not gonna be hard to find. It's just two one page from the end. Christ. Okay, let's see. Fifteen three two six is stick two. It's called Movie Forty Three from ah. twenty thirteen. It is rated eight. No, it's um got an eighteen. Oh, Bob, Bob Odenkirk directed it. Interesting. All right, I'll just give the synopsis here, or do I? Can I? Oh, it's a feature film comprised of short comedy segments. So That's good. That's Hugh Jackman in it. It's got a bunch of people in it. It's got Kate Winslet. Oh my God, Emma Stone. Elizabeth Big cast. Banks. It, it must not do very well with the comedy. That's pretty much, I'm guessing, what happens. Yeah, that's it. That's our next one, Movie 43. What happened with Bob Odenkirk's direction in this one? We will find out in the next episode. Thank you very much for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Ta-ra.